quote, Ulysses S. Grant, war never changes. War is like winter, and winter is coming. And war did, in fact, fall upon a nation divided. I thought that was Jon Snow that said winter is coming. Well. <laughs> to quote Game of Thrones, you're correct. That war, however, has long been over. But perhaps the spirits of those departed are still fighting to this very day. Are they? Let's venture into the place that in Hebrew is known as heavenly peace. But in 1862 was anything but that. Let's investigate Shiloh National Military Park. So pull up a chair, join the circle, and let's introduce ourselves in this weekly meeting of Alcoholic Anomalies. I'm your host, Jason Sparks, and as always, I'm joined by my co-star, the man behind the stand, Bobby Strickland. I'm glad you uh, read my suggestion on the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> on where should we investigate next, you know? <laughs> so I throw out my uh, suggestion there. You, you've been talking heavily <laughs> about wanting to do Shiloh National Military Park, and I actually gave you a hint last night during our previous recording of the University of North Alabama that our next two recordings were going to be something that was very intimate to me and you, and that being UNA and Shiloh National Military Park. Yeah, I thought Training Bridge, for sure. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and, and I was so glad that you were off in the weeds thinking it was something more local to Florence, and I was like, he is so wrong, and I'm so happy. Like, he's not in my head for once, you know. Oh, it's coming. Trust me, it's coming. <laughs> it won't come. Oh, I'm gonna come. No, I'm gonna come. <laughs> <laughs> so, as I previously stated, the, the irony in the name Shiloh is that in Hebrew, it literally translates to heavenly peace. But as I previously stated, the battlefield was anything but that. Beautiful area. It's it's very beautiful. Um, the, the military park that is now, as we talked about, Shallow National Military Park, is a very beautiful area to see. Plenty of wildlife, plenty of green open fields, but in the 1860s of the Civil War was a very bloody, war-torn area. Again, grew up 10 minutes from there. Absolutely. Every time I drive back up here from Mississippi, you I go through, right through it. <laughs> pass right through Shallow National Military Park. That we do. So about... One year into the American Civil War, the Confederate forces had been brutally beaten back after a spearhead assault led in part by Union General Ulysses S. Grant, who tore through Tennessee and now, at this point in the war, Union soldiers had their eyes on the borders of Alabama and Mississippi. The Union soldiers' next objective was to capture Corinth, Mississippi, Bobby's hometown, and halt the transportation of supplies and solidify Union control of the area by securing the railway hub found in Corinth. Dun dun! And these are their stories. And these are their stories. <laughs> so, so to extrapolate on that, me and you have talked extensively about you know Civil War history and everything, and about how your hometown was a crucial point in the Civil War in turning the tides to Union victory with the successful capture of Corinth. Yeah, because, I mean, we talked about it in our episode. I don't know when it's going to come out. I just couldn't tell you. I just get told the week, week of. Week, week before this episode. <laughs> okay. So, in our last episode, I did hit on about how 
you had the Battle Shallow, which controlled the river, and the Battle of Corinth, which is all kind of, they kind of group it all into the one big battle. Because you had Battle of Farmington, Battle of Corinth, Battle of Shallow, all into one big battle, the Battle of Shallow. But controlled with Shiloh, the river, and then with Corinth, the railroads, and then if you didn't control those, you couldn't get supplies to any of your troops. And so from there, you're just kind of, you know, SOL, yeah. as they would say. You're up a creek without a paddle in that instance. And the river you're talking about is, in fact, the Tennessee River that Florence is right up against, namely the University of North Alabama is also right up against. So to expand further on the onslaught of Union forces, so General Grant, Grant had planned to run a view with General Don Carlos Buell before marching on to capture Corinth. However, Confederate General Albert Sidney Johnston did not plan to dig in and wait for Union forces, but instead ordered his forces to go on the offensive. And on April 6, 1862, Confederate forces caught Union soldiers by surprise and after driving them back for two miles, threatened to track Grant and his forces against the Tennessee River until Union reinforcements had arrived under the command of General Buell, Confederate victory was snuffed out and Confederate General Johnson rode into battle to rally his troops before taking a gunshot to the leg, which resulted in him quickly bleeding out, making him the highest ranking general to be killed during the United States Civil War. Dun dun. Dun dun. <laughs> so upon General Johnson's death, the Confederate advance was halted in the following day april 7th 1862 grant's forces ma uh, massed a major counter offensive and reclaimed the foothold that they had lost the previous day the battle resulted in a union victory as the confederate forces retreated to corinth leaving casualties of over 23,000 between both sides with over 3,000 confirmed killed in action the rest being wounded captured or missing in action. That's kind of weird to think about, like how people like went missing on that. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, this area it's open field and then woods. Absolutely. <laughs> like there's like nothing in between. There's not like a light brush or anything. No, it's straight dense woods or open field. Mm -hmm. And so, honestly, whenever I thought about the Battle of Shallow, like growing up. Only thing I think about is Braveheart. <laughs> them hiding out in the woods, waiting on these uh, soldiers ride through, and they're just picking them off. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought. You know, more guerrilla warfare. Tactics. Yeah, yeah. Nope, wasn't like that <laughs> at nope. all. <laughs> at all. Bloodshed in an open field. Yeah, That's all at once. You know what? Here's our guys. Here's your guys. Who's gonna make it? Basically, exactly. And, and it's funny you, you talk about that. So in my research, I found that the reason a large portion of Confederate soldiers were able to retreat back to Corinth was due to a colonel of the Confederate side, who him and his cavalry forces were able to stampede upon the frontal force as the Union was doing their counterattack on April seventh, surprising the Union uh, front lines by taking them uh, out of the, the brush and the tree line that surrounds Shiloh National Park onto that open field, uh, resulting in heavy casualties of the Confederate cavalry. But due to the surprise attack, the main foot soldiers of the Confederate army that were retreating were able to get away safely. 
So like you said, you would not expect that a surprise attack could happen in this open field. Yes, there's plenty of woodland, but still you imagine a, a force of several hundred, you know, Confederate horses marching on, charging into battle, would not be able to take a enemy by surprise. Yeah, I mean... I mean, me, myself, I can't even sneak up on a deer. Exactly. <laughs> in, in these woods. <laughs> like, it's uh, very thick. You're going to hear a bunch of leaves rustling. Like, unless they just went through there with brakes and just got all the leaves up. It's like, <laughs> you know what? This is quiet as possible. Not happening. Not happening. It's so one of the most common occurrences reported at Shiloh National Military Park is that visitors to this day hear distant gunshots the beating of battle drums, and the sound of cannon fire that still echoes throughout the park. Perhaps it's from soldiers who do not know that they have passed on and that the war is over. So do they know like, in which areas are more active? Because like me, whenever I go, the two places that I know, or not, I really don't know, but that I could see being the most haunted would be Blood Pond. Which is, if you don't know, basically it's this pond out in the middle of the battlefield where whenever a soldier or somebody got shot, they get real thirsty, crawl to the pond where they would eventually perish. And there was so much blood that had went into the pond that turned it red. So that, that's place number one that I'd pick. Mm -hmm. Number two would be the church mm -hmm. that's on the battlefield. Absolutely. And the story about that one is... I want to say there was kind of a service or something there. And it either got burned. I don't think it got burned because there's still the building standing there. But they barged in and killed a ton of people that were in that church. Which, is, I mean, it's a small church. But, I mean, you're killing 20, 30 people at this time. That's a pretty good bit. Yeah. So that's my two places that I... Every time I've gone to visit, that's the two places that creep me out the most. <laughs> Absolutely. So the cannon fire being heard in the surrounding area, that cannons still sit at Shiloh National Military Park to this day. Gunshots being heard across the park as a whole. So you couldn't definitively state that one area is more than the other. But the most common occurrence is Blood Pond and the church that you previously stated. <laughs> So, to expand further, though, that church actually was burnt down to the ground. Okay. And so that church was reconstructed later on due to efforts of local historians and park rangers at Shiloh National Electric Park. So the building that stands there today is a refabrication of what the building used to look like. It is not the original building. And there's also an actual church that is still in use today that is built right next to it now. Mm -hmm. So, um... I don't know, it's kind of weird, but me personally, whenever I'm coming back from here, it's always dark, like 9, 10 o'clock at night. It's creepy going through there. Absolutely. Like, especially if it's like a clear summer night where the moon is like just coming above the trees at this time. It's, it's something to experience for sure. It gives you that eerie feeling like of any horror movie that you would see. Mm-hmm. Especially and, like... And this is acres upon acres of land that is... Eating. Yeah, it's all flat. Yeah. Well, it's not really flat, but like, once you find a field, like you're seeing out 
for a good distance, like a good, I would say at least 2,000 yards yeah. at some point. Easy. And then other points where you're seeing 10 feet in front of you. And then because it just the opens up. The air. Yeah. Then it just opens up once you get on top of the hill. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, Pittsburgh Landing, which is basically where they would basically land their boats off the river and then come onto the land. Right. Pittsburgh Landing being essentially where Union forces were driven back to due to the Confederate uh, counteroffensive. And then from there, were able to mount their offensive back, pushing Confederates back into Corinth due to the reinforcements by General Beale. Yeah. So to extrapolate further on some of the noises that you can hear while in Child National Military Park, it's often said that you can hear the footsteps of soldiers moving along the battlefield, and maybe you will hear the screams of the wounded calling out for help. Within my notes and everything we've previously discussed it already, but an anomalous location on the former battlefield would be what is known as the Bloody Pond, where, as we previously discussed, soldiers were said to originally take drink from and also provide water for their horses, but as the battle waged on, the said soldiers would attempt to clean their wounds or even take one last drink before succumbing to their wounds. The pond was stained red from the blood of from the blood and bodies of men and horses that surrounded it. Accounts state that the pond will turn red, but the park does state that the algae that can be found within the pond will react in hot summer months and will dye the pond red. I was about to say, because I remember them telling us, because I mean, we went there on field trips, there's no telling how many times it's like growing through school. And I remember them telling us like, you come out here in certain times of the year and the pond will be red. Absolutely. Most of those times being during the hot summer months, the algae, you know, basically acting out, you know, having a chemical reaction due to extreme summer, extreme summer, southern heat. Oh, definitely all the humidity and everything. Like it's, exactly. Open up a oven, oven, put your head in there. That's basically how it is when you walk outside down there in the middle of summer. So absolutely. (laughs) It's it's hot and it's uncomfortable. You feel like you're wearing a sweater and you're wearing a tank top. And you can't breathe. You can't, you cannot (laughs) Uh, and, and so, as we've already discussed as well, uh, another location that when visiting the old Shiloh Church, if you take a photo, it is said that you will capture something that was not standing in front of you, even though you see into the church, there's nothing physically present in front of you. Sounds about right. You know, <laughs> that church is crazy. I don't care that it's a like a replica. A yeah, basically a replica of what it was. That church is creepy. <laughs> like, you go in there and they have like a few pews like sitting in there. It's like maybe six, but it's like old creaks every time. Like you just take a step, and it rattles the whole building. Yeah, it's it's creepy for sure. <laughs> yeah, and and it's one of those buildings that you get the sense of you're being watched and that you are not alone within that building. Well, I think that's how it is in all of. Shiloh. Yeah, because like I said, whenever I leave from here, I go through there, and I'm there's one turn that I make because I don't really go like through unless I'm coming back. Sometimes I'll go through Shiloh. Most time I'm right there at the very first entrance. If you're coming from Alabama, I'm at that first entrance that you can go into, and I just turn away from it. Yeah. 
But even right there, it's like, I got to get out of here as quick as possible. I, I got to go. <laughs> you kids can't be here no more. <laughs> get out of here. Skiddy out. Skiddy out. fucking dead. Kids can't be here no more. That's basically what it feels like. Like, it's, ah, this gives me chills, like, just thinking about it now. But I get chills every time I go through there. Right. The presence of something basically staring the hole in you, saying, you do not belong here. Especially, like, which I've never seen it, but I've heard stories of people saying that they drove by, and it'd be night, and they'd see, like, orbs coming over the hills. Or they might see an orb, like, way off in the field. It's just, I don't know. It's something you can't explain. Again, I've never personally experienced it, so I don't know if it's actually true or not. But I'm sure there's pictures somewhere of what people have captured there. Absolutely. And just a quick Google search will return pictures that people have taken within the old church that sits on Shiloh. The apparitions, you know, the you couldn't outrightly state that they're full body apparitions, but you do get the glare of a the camera focusing in on something that even though physically I'm not seeing anything there but my camera is trying to focus in on something my flash is outlining that apparition or that entity that or what have you and I feel like it'd be the most active if we do decide to go there which I would be all for just because I least have somewhere I can go stay <laughs> for free absolutely <laughs> Right after. Um, it's a hop and a skip away from home. Yeah. If that. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe just the hop. <laughs> but I feel like it'd be most active during, I think it's the first weekend of April, which is around the time the battle happened. But every year, the first week of April, they do the reenactment there. And it goes on for like two days. That they the do extent it. of the battle. Yeah. So, and like... They have candles lit up all throughout the park, and like they let you go walk through it. Which I don't think you can just go through it at night yeah. now because you got park rangers everywhere. Park like, rangers will run you out, you know, if you're there unsanctioned during the hours that the park's no longer open. Yeah, which I mean, they troll that area heavy, heavily, and that also goes back to kind of what me and you talked about in our last episode of Range Mountain, mm-hmm. where why would you patrol somewhere so heavy if you didn't think something was going on? Right. So that's kind of my theory on that. Absolutely. And, you know, to extrapolate further on Range Mountain or anything and potentially correlating that to Shiloh, you know, the potential of devil worshiping that could occur at the National Park because of the potential of anomalous behavior happening within the confines. Well, because, I mean, this is just going to be like something off the wall, kind of go in the weeds a little bit. So you have Shiloh on the Tennessee side. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of, where I grew up is kind of in the middle of this, but there's another area called Sharps Bottom, which is about at most 10 miles from there, mm-hmm. at most. And there, it's it used to be owned by the state, and they... From what I was told, and I need to do more research on this, but they used it to basically research soil, different things from the University of Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Or, sorry, Mississippi State University. Mm-hmm. Different school. Uh, but I remember pe- people going to Sharks Bottom because, like, nobody goes out there. It's super creepy. 
It's literally out in the middle of nowhere. Dirt roads. There'd be a bunch of devil worshiping going on there. A bunch of like clan rallies. Like a bunch of like negative energy going through there. And so once it got like dusk, you're not anywhere near that place. Yeah. And it's kind of the same way with Shallow now, unless it is during the uh, reenactment where they have everything kind of lit up. Right. So that's kind of where I'm like, you know. If you're opening a portal to something so far away, but yet so close, hmm. is it going to make another area react more, I guess, more frequently, I hmm. guess it would be? Yeah. So, because I mean, even if you look at the map and you look at the Battle of Shallow, like the way that you can go into Corinth. So I don't know the exact path they would retreat to Corinth, but they could possibly go that way. Hmm. Through sharps into Corinth because it's so close. Yeah, and, and I believe through sharps does bleed into one of the artillery batteries um, that was definitively in Corinth. I believe, like you're kind of explaining, that is kind of the direction that you would anticipate they would retreat towards. I mean, yeah. I mean, it depends on which way you'd go. Because I mean, if you went like, I don't know. I feel like they wouldn't go straight to Corinth. I think they'd take like a kind of a, more of a roundabout way to loop back into Corinth. Because if you go in a straight line, they're going to be right on you. But if you venture off and come back in, it's going to be harder for them to track. So I feel like if they were to, they'd have to swing a little east, basically come down. They wouldn't swing up that wide, but almost close to the point of you're probably going to be another. 15 miles to the state line of Alabama and then swinging back in. And then, so if you swung in that way, you're going to go right through Sharps back in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember we used to go ride, like, go through, like, mud riding through there and stuff like that. Which they kind of have it closed off now because I think, like, the club owns that and they've kind of cleaned up some of that. But I remember, like, several people saying, like, this is the only time I've ever ran up on, like, a devil worshiping. Mm-hmm. Or like I said, headed ritual, or a cross burning, or something like that. Yeah, like it gets very dark over there. Very dark, very like as you've previously stated, negative energy. Yeah, in that area. Yeah, so I mean, again, that's kind of where I'm like, you know, as active as shallow is, or it could possibly be mm-hmm. with something so close, does it have that correlation together? Right. The the manifestation of negative energy in one location being close to it can extrapolate further on to a. In- the anomalous behavior that occurs just north of that location and making that, as I said, anomalous behavior more proactive. Yeah. And, and I, don't, I don't think that would be, you know, a, a tough thing to believe in this instance. Um, but to kind of touch further past on that, so we've already discussed the, the Bloody Pond and the Old Shallow Church, uh, another location that is primarily a common haunting ground in Shallow National Park is the peach orchard where a man is said to appear a ways off from tourists with a face that cannot be described and that upon getting closer to that man he will disappear and while walking past where the man stood if you look back the man will once again appear standing there staring with a face that seems to be in a blur so just kind of in in my mind thinking walking down essentially a narrow path of, of tree line, essentially, a, like I said, a peach orchard, going down, seeing this man in what is known as a, a, a military uniform at the time, 
seeing him not being able to give any definition of what he looks like, except for, as I said, that he is wearing a military uniform. As I get closer, that entity disappears from my line of sight. And as I move on past and I turn around and look to where the location he was at, he appears again. And again, I can see the military uniform, but a face that I cannot recognize. And that's when you turn into Justin Bieber. You be like, what? I got my peaches down in Georgia. <laughs> I gotta say. Well, I mean, we're talking about Miss. We're, we're, we're a state, you know, Alabama, then Georgia. Mm -hmm. but. but hey, you know, I'll take the extra mileage. But <laughs> I may be mistaking on this. Not in your truck, we're not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I get bad gas mileage, okay? Gas is a little bit higher, you know, I'm trying to drive as much. But I may be mistaken on this. Mm -hmm. But was the Peach Orchard not where they had the medical tent set up? There were some medical tents set up in the Peach Orchard. But there also was fighting that did occur within the Peach Orchard. Because here's the kicker for you. Mm -hmm. That turn that I make is right next to the Peach Orchard. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. <laughs> right next to it. <laughs> and, and who's to say the, the countless amount of men who had lost their lives in the Peach Orchard who had already been wounded in battle and then sort of came to their wounds within the medical tents, as you stated, found in the Peach Orchard. Yeah, it's, like I said, that area, because it's it's kind of weird, like, there's certain areas where you see a bunch of wildlife, like a bunch of deer and stuff like that, which they say animals have, like, a better sense of that kind of stuff going on. Right, especially dogs, who essentially bark at nothing, but essentially barking at something on the plane that we cannot see. Yeah. And who's to say that doesn't expand further onto deer and other wildlife within the area. But, you know, I drive that a lot now. Mm -hmm. I've never seen any wildlife through there on that turn. Right. You go down about a mile, you'll see a bunch. Mm -hmm. A ton. Every time I drive back through there, I've almost hit a deer. Right. <laughs> I'm always laying on that horn. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> <laughs> But going through that area, you don't really see much. Because I remember, like, even places on the battlefield, you can see tons of them. Oh, yeah. Like, it's been a while since I've actually went to the park. But I want to say the church and Blood Pond are kind of on the same plane. Yeah, like, not far from each other. Yeah, they're pretty close. Mm -hmm. But, like, you never really see anything between those two. But if you look, like, if you're at the church, you're looking back towards Blood Pond... You know, to the left, you usually see deer, but it's like probably if you're looking there, probably at a 90 degree angle. Once you get to 45 and on, nothing. Right. As you start getting into these areas that are known to have more anomalous behavior, you're not seeing as much wildlife. Because who's to say, like instead of somebody trying to go to Blood Pond, they're injured, they may be going to the church, mm -hmm. ask for forgiveness before they pass away. Absolutely. So, I mean, you got to kind of have that correlation there mm -hmm. as well. 100%. Um, and, and to kind of touch further on the, the fighting that did occur at the Peach Orchard, uh, in a lot of reenactments and a lot of the, the history that is told within the, the battles of the Civil War, it was still very much, uh, as we know it, the, the lineup, man after man, I'll fire at you, give you a barrage of bullets, you'll fire at me, give me a barrage of bullets, and we'll kind of either do a back and forth or I'll lead into a charge, laying in with my, my batons and my muskets, going more hand-to-hand, -hand, 
to where Peach Orchard saw more combat, to where it was individual soldiers laying in wait within the tree lines, not having that one-for-one -one back and forth, but more essentially guerrilla tactic warfare. Yeah. So to expand further on some of the anomalous behavior that happens at Shallow National Park, the ranger housing on the park is said to have doors open and close on their own and even on windless days uh, that the windows can be found open and that the, the drapes or curtains surrounding the windows would flow even, as I said, there's no wind within the area. Again, it's hot. They're just trying some cold air in. You know? <laughs> cold air. It's hot. It's hot. Hot, hot. Jumping out the grease. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if I was them too, I'd open up a window too. Because those buildings don't have any air, really, in them. Yeah. Like, if you ever go there to visit, you go to like the visitor center. It's hot there. Yeah. Typically, well. there's not any central air or anything like that. Yeah. You know, it's bad. Maybe it a few window <laughs> units here and there. Maybe if you're lucky. Yeah, <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> right. Very, very warm area. Um, but so the, the rangers, of course, have multiple accounts of, you know, anomalous activity, namely being, as I stated, the doors being opened and closed and the windows being opened, even though say there's only one ranger staying within a certain house or anything. He, of course, knew he or she knew, of course, he did not leave a window open, coming back and all the windows being open within the house. So to expand further on, on probably one of the more distinguished entities at Shiloh National Military Park being a young boy who is said to haunt a small cabin in the park where visitors have seen an apparition of the boy appearing uh, to don a makeshift Confederate uniform, no shoes, and climbs down from the rafters and escapes from the cabin whenever visitors are able to witness him. I've heard that story before because from I believe I think he's a drummer boy, right? He was a drummer boy. Yeah, so because um, he was like super young, like maybe 12, 13, something like that. Absolutely. Yeah, so I don't know. Again, small child, stay away. <laughs> stay away from me. Yeah. I ain't had nothing to do with it. Right. And the legends, like you said, you know, state being a young, a young boy around the age of 12, 14, more than likely a drummer boy serving on the Confederate side. Uh, who had hid out during the battle within the small cabin and had attempted to escape and through his escape either was caught by, you know, fire that was going on from the surrounding gun battles or was executed by Union soldiers. Yeah. Or even potentially Confederate soldiers for treason or traitorous behavior for no longer participating in the battle. Yeah. Because, I mean, they're usually on the front line, right? Exactly. Drummer boy. They're, they're so if he's turning around to run, he probably ran right into um, the old musket. Yeah, the business the end face. of a musket. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that happened several times throughout the, the war. Yeah. But, again, you put me in that same situation, I think I'm not going. You can put me in jail. I don't care what you're going to do. I'm, I'm going to be a lot safer it. in jail than on the front lines of a battlefield. Yeah. So, could imagine just hearing, like, just, like, little balls going right beside your, like, beside your head, right beside your body, and you're sitting there trying to drum away. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm beating. Can't miss a beat. <laughs> I'm beating on this drum, and I can't even hear it anymore. I mean, gunfire, cannon fire surrounding me, you know. That's like, to me, it almost sounds like a firing squad. Like, execution style. Like, you don't get a gun. Nothing. You have two sticks. And a piece of skin to hit. Yep. That's it. That's all you got. <laughs> and you're going to march straight forward against a full 
decked out regiment of soldiers firing back against you. And you have nothing to defend yourself with. Yeah. So, you said it's a cabin? It's a small cabin. I don't think where that might be at. Was it close to Pittsburgh Landing? I mean, that's the only place I can think of where there might be a building like that. This this one is close to Pittsburgh Landing. Um, okay. Supposedly, there are a few smaller cabins around the National Park. Um, some not being in very distinguished areas. Yeah. Just out in the woods. Uh, a lot of these cabins not being actual visiting points during tours at the National yeah. Park. But. I'll see, like... I think I'll be done like the actual tour maybe two or three times, mm. but I mean, you can still just go out there on your own, just go around the park and like go to different places. Yeah. Um, kind of roam a little bit. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to be like, oh, we can't go to this area, <laughs> but if they did, kudos to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe they're keeping me away from something I don't want to see. <laughs> and that kind of goes back to which, and this is more recent, and it kind of... I don't know why, like, but talking about this, Pittsburgh Landing, and, like, some of the stuff that's around, like, Shallow National Park. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of, like, off in the weeds again. Mm -hmm. So this happened, I believe it was last summer. So if you don't know, there's a great catfish place right there off the battlefield mm -hmm. called Haggy's Catfish Cabin. Mm -hmm. Basically how that's set up, you have gravel parking lot, cabin, basically up on this hill that's the restaurant and it's on the water i believe last summer and this kind of like going into like maybe was the where they possessed or something like that guy gets his van waving talking to people drives right into the river yeah i remember you so and they said he did intentionally like it wasn't like an accident or anything like that they said no he intentionally drove it off into the river mm -hmm. and so that kind of makes me think like you know were they possessed by something else that might have been at the park. Right, that drove them to do so. Yeah. Dun <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realize that I had, <laughs> I had set that up. I just went with Wow, that's, that's dark, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> it's dark like the room we're in right now. Oh, <laughs> so dark. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's super sad. Like, Absolutely. Um, Not to make fun of, you know, suicide, or of course, suicidal tendency, but... But like... That just kind of makes me think of, you know, what else might be in this park. Because, I mean, you think, because, I mean, we've had this discussion before, mm -hmm. where, you know, if it's a boy 12, 12 13, maybe just a little drummer boy. I won't say, like, it's probably not demonic, mm -hmm. but there's something else darker in this area. Again, with the devil worshipping and everything else that's going on, mm -hmm. like, not far by, yeah. is there something darker that people might be just missing there? Exactly. And you know, is the, the small drummer boy that I'm seeing just a a tool that can be used to kind of pull me into something yeah. that is within the demonic realm? Because we have something about that as well with children trying to get attached in some way. Mm -hmm. To pulling essentially on the heartstrings of the living. You know. To make yourself more vulnerable mm -hmm. to um, having that access to you. Exactly. So... Again, like, super sad situation, but, like, do you think something like that might be going on? Absolutely. And, and like I said, you know, this restaurant being in a, in a location that's very close to the military park to where all this negative emotion is still 
manifests to this day who's to say that it's not able to expand further whenever there's not somebody or several somebodies within the park to be able to accept that negative emotion you know who's to say it's not reaching out past its limits to try and grab on to somebody because yeah i think like it's also during the darkest time of the country mm-hmm. and definitely the darkest moment for this area mm-hmm. i don't know it just it just makes you think like you know are we missing something here that maybe we or most people just you know just either don't want to acknowledge and they might know it or there's and, and they're just in denial of it or right that the history is essentially too folk fixated on the war itself and the battle and the bloodshed that occurred and maybe not something more darker more nefarious that did occur within the confines yeah again if you drive close to this area and as if they didn't have like the little um like shaved wood fence out there with all the signs like markers and stuff and the cannons with the cannonballs and everything you would never know this was a battlefield. Absolutely. It's just that field. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Farmington, too. Because, like I said, it's all kind of ripped into one. Farmington, they have like a nursing home on that battlefield now. They have a bank on that battlefield now. Like, it's all right there. And, to me, it looks just like a field. Because I didn't know until probably, gosh, I might have been in high school at this point. But I realized that, no, that's a battlefield. Right. Because, I mean, it's just a few trees, like, two, there's this one that looks a lot different than Shallow, mm. where you have, like, two or three trees, and that's it, and then it's like, hey, just out there. Right. So. <laughs> hey. <laughs> but, yeah, to, to kind of start wrap things up for this episode, uh, any additional history or legends that you want to share, Bobby, before we wrap this up? Like Bigfoot? Um, <laughs> I mean, there has been stories. <laughs> I was about to say, we, we actually have talked about that, and we have talked about the potential of doing a whole podcast into to Bigfoot himself, but... Searching for Bigfoot. Searching for Bigfoot. A dual production. <laughs> Get out of my head. I really don't have any, like, other stories or anything I've heard, I guess, per se, but definitely, like, one of the coolest places like, that I can think of that's anywhere remotely close besides like maybe fame studio and shoals because i mean that's close but like not as close to 10 minutes from my house (laughs) but like i said it's it's pretty cool to go out there and just like look at the history and stuff like that and knowing like because i mean you think about a pond from back in this day most time you're like oh yeah it's probably dried up whatever still there And then you still got the trees from the peach orchard, which they could have just came back and like plant some trees there for all I know. But from what they say, it's pretty close to what it looked like. Because, I mean, they still got the cannons lined up and everything on a lot of these battlefields. Very, very similar to the conditions that the soldiers faced in 1862. Yeah. Um, Again, very cool place. If you haven't had Haggy's Catfish Cabin, I highly suggest it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you might be... If you can get reservations, I'll call ahead. <laughs> I don't really know if they do that anymore. But, like, fantastic restaurant to go to. I mean, if you're going to go and visit this place, I would suggest not trying to do it all in one day. I'll give yourself about two or three days. Because yep. there is a ton. Like, it's massive yep. compared to, like, what you think it might be. 
So, because I know, I know driving past it, it's about three miles long, then all the way to the river, which is probably another four or five miles, if I had to guess. Take your kids out there and put them on a bike. I mean, that's what we did when I was a kid. Yeah. Take a little bike ride. Take a little bike ride, take a picnic, you know. Maybe just don't let them wander too far off into the woods. Exactly. (laughs) Keep a close eye on your loved ones while at the National Park. Make sure they don't try to play with a little drummer boy. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, do you got anything else that you'd like to share? Because, I mean, you haven't really shared any of your personal experiences from this place. I mean, I've shared a couple of mine, but... Yeah, so uh, I I have visited Child National Military Park, of course, like I said, you know, either be through... Uh, field trips in, in school or you know just bike rides or picnics you know, in the park what have you uh, but the, the National Military Park as you said you know it's, it's very similar to what the soldiers witnessed in 1862 but it's still a very beautiful park and whenever you actually dive into the history into the darkness that you know surrounds the park itself you know it, it becomes a little more eerie you gain a little bit more respect for the grounds that you're walking on Um, because the countless men who who did lose their life fighting for their country or or fighting for the confederates um it's it's a very like i said a dark time in united states history but to be able to visit this place and be able to revisit that history is is amazing you know it's something that we can actually walk on and have that you know visual identity to the, the same place um, but really it's, it's a place that I have a lot of respect for. And as we have talked about this episode in our previous episode, University of North Alabama, we have a little more intimacy with these locations because we visited these locations actually been on site and actually have more personal stories that we can share on these locations. But with that being said, really, that's all I kind of have for Shiloh National Emotion. So I will give one suggestion if you are thinking about going there, if you've never been there before, I would go ahead and do like a guided tour. Just kind of get the brief overview basically of like where everything is. They'll show you basically Blood Pond. They'll show you the church. Um, and then they'll also take you out to Pittsburgh Landing. Um, if you had the opportunity to do that, I would highly suggest it. Uh, I know they have different maps and everything that you can go into. for. I think they're free. But they, you can just literally go in there you can grab a map and it tells you like where all these locations are. Um, definitely do it in like the springtime. I wouldn't go in the summer. Too hot. Yeah, it's, very, it's very warm. <laughs> very warm, very hot even. Now if you're going to do it in the summer, go early. Yeah. <laughs> like seven. <laughs> <laughs> or if you're on the more adventurous side, go maybe later in the afternoon. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I mean that's all I really got. Uh, I was gonna give a few disclaimers, like we that we like to do uh, after each and every episode. Uh, we have been drinking tonight um, here at my lovely estate here in <laughs> Kentucky. <laughs> um, but if you are going to drink, please do drink responsibly. And that if you or a loved one are struggling with uh, depression or suicidal tendencies, please call the United States National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at eight hundred. Two seven three eight two five five. Help is available twenty four seven. We also do have our Instagram and Twitter pages up. Our Instagram is at Alcoholic Anomalies. Our Twitter is ALC Anomalies. So Alc Anomalies, basically. Um, if you have any suggestions on like where you'd want us to 
maybe discuss later on in a different episode, we do have a link in... Is it just Spotify or is it both? Spotify. It's both. Okay, so Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, if you are enjoying the, uh, if you are enjoying the podcast, please just maybe recommend it to somebody that might be a history buff. Now, <laughs> uh, we're gonna come up with something stupid like that for each episode. So, history buff, maybe, maybe more specifically on wars. You know, maybe they they want to hear a little bit more about. Some soldier ghosts, you know? <laughs> Not soldier boy, soldier ghost. <laughs> but again, if you are struggling, if you or a loved one are struggling with depression or suicide tendencies, please call the United States National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. Again, help is available 24-7. Love you guys.